We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charge podcast. My name is Steven. I am back from vacation. Uh, happy to talk about some uh, Chargers football, Chargers Cardinals football with my guys Tyler and Alex. I uh, appreciate them uh, covering for me while I was out of town, as well as Arjun. So, uh, like I said, man, we're going to dive into this Chargers and Cardinals matchup. Also, as we always do, discuss some uh, injury news, unfortunately. Um, but doing, joining me to do that are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. I'm a bit sick, of course. As soon as I get a break from everything that I'm doing, someone decided to go, eh, he should be sick for a few days. So we'll see how Thanksgiving goes. Maybe I'll have to have someone get me my sides for me or something, but um, <laughs> I think I'll manage. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I Every single year, I feel like I get sick at Thanksgiving or at Christmas. It's just I feel like the nature of working at a school, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So Alex is here as well, man. Alex, what's up? How are you doing tonight? I'm not sick, but I don't get to celebrate <laughs> Thanksgiving, so I guess it cancels out. I don't know. Yeah, what are you guys, uh, you and your girlfriend doing anything tomorrow night? Uh, ordering Mexican food, because I don't know. There's not a lot of people that make turkey and stuffing here. So <laughs> I'll stuff myself on some Mexican, I guess. Yeah. I know, I know the feeling when I lived in Mexico and, and uh, had to do Thanksgiving and Christmas. It was always very different. Um, but, you know, obviously people did their uh, best to make me feel at home. So appreciated that. Um, all right. So we'll uh, we'll get started here talking about some of the latest injury updates. Uh, unfortunately, we do have to talk about Mike Williams. 
um, re-aggravating his high ankle sprain after playing. I think it was six snaps on Sunday night. He had a great catch uh, and then just kind of came down on uh... – oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, out of practice with the chat, as they say. Um, so he, he kind of came down on one of the Chiefs' uh, feet and then, you know, rolled his ankle a little bit. So Brandon Staley initially said that he would participate in a limited fashion in practice today. Uh, that turned out to not be true. He did not practice at all. Um, so I kind of tend to think that he's probably going to miss this week, and then we'll kind of see where he's at next week. What are your thoughts there, Alex, in terms of uh, Mike Williams playing this week? Yeah, I mean, for him to not be able to re-enter them, and I guess, you know, Brand Staley initially saying he didn't think it was that much, um, I necessarily... I didn't necessarily buy that much into that. Um, so I think it's worse than they're letting on. Maybe not worse to hold him out for multiple weeks like Keenan and Mike were out originally. Um, but I do think that he'll probably be out for at least another one or two weeks, uh, which is a bummer because he did just get back and then get hurt again. Good that Keenan is a full practice, I guess, um, which sort of nullifies you know some of the effects of that. But just from the way that it's kind of, or they've sort of gone about it and playing it cautious a little bit anyway, since this is a re-aggravation, I tend to think he misses this week, which isn't the worst because they don't need him per se to win this game. Um, but uh, yeah, just a bummer all the way around. Yeah, of course he comes in, makes one of the catches of the game and then he gets hurt <laughs> and you could see in his face too. He was both in pain, but also kind of laughing at the circumstance where it's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I just hurt myself again hobbles off the field he's he's not playing this week there's no way uh frankly I, i'd rather they just continue to lean on josh palmer as that x rather than maybe trot out mike williams and maybe see how he is um would you like everyone all hands on deck absolutely but you have keenan on back he's full and sit him this week if they sit him next week too i wouldn't be surprised yeah you know josh palmer really is the key there in terms of uh you know being a little patient with mike williams so i don't know i don't know what your impression has been watching the the all 22 tyler but I mean, I have loved the way that they are using Josh Palmer. You know, he's had some great routes. Um, it wasn't obviously a highlight play, but he had that one slant in the in the third mm -hmm. corner. He had a great release off the line. And that just wasn't something that we saw a whole lot from him last year in terms of beating press, beating man coverage. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been really impressed with the way that they've been using Josh Palmer. And he's played fantastic, man. I mean, we're talking about somebody who's top five in the league right now over the last three weeks in terms of catches, targets, yards. So. Uh, he's playing well, and they can, uh, I think, take some, uh, have some patience with Mike Williams because of it. Yeah, ever since the bye where they really, not forced the issue with Josh Palmer, but really decided to make him a focal point as their ex, he's been sensational. I mean, you have him over, he's 13 yards behind Stefan Diggs the past three weeks, and frankly, he should have had so much more against the 49ers. It yeah. had nothing to do with him, which is protection issues, or maybe Herbert didn't find him. Um, but when you have a receiver step in, have more yards than McLaurin or Hopkins or, you know, Alave, who is someone, you know, everyone wants to draft um, early on. I'm Ross St. Brown. Like he's doing a phenomenal job. And I think against the Falcons, you could see that he was definitely having a kind of like a breakout game, but I felt like some of the catches early on and really not until until the final drive, it was just kind of not easy, but even though he had a very productive day, it wasn't like a fantastic, you know, first round tape kind of showing. And he did have that ball sure. in the air. He tipped it up for the interception against the 49ers. You started to see the tape look good. Just the stats weren't there. This past game, everything just came together. It was the routes. It was, you know, the film, it was the stats. It was, it was everything. He looked amazing. He won in a variety of ways. I mean, there was 
you know, a, a deep over, a slant, a screen, a swing pass, a deep curl, a shallow crosser, you know, hundred something yards, two touchdowns. He was winning all over for them. And it was, it was fantastic. And, you know, the only real blessing from all these injuries is that it kind of forced him to, to step up and, you know, he, that wasn't really the intention. He was battling to be the wide receiver three in camp. And then he's had a lot of opportunities and he's looked really, really good. Yeah, um, I mean, just kind of entering this time, as like Tyler said, they were sort of waiting to see, you know, who would step up in the absence of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and sort of forced Josh Palmer to. Last week was his best game as a pro, probably by far, uh, unless you want to go against, you know, the San Francisco or the Atlanta game in terms of tape and some of those other things. Um, but definitely his best total production, I felt like, of his career. Um, and obviously, you know, just the total show that he had in terms of route running, uh, and the variety of ways that he was able to beat the defense was just really impressive. Not something that I had personally seen from Josh Palmer before. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that does give you a little bit more leeway with how you want to go about playing Mike Williams um, and being a little bit more cautious with him. And DeAndre Carter's your wide receiver three now as opposed to your wide receiver one. So, you know, with <laughs> Keenan Bank, that obviously um, takes a lot of stress off the defense too, or takes a lot of stress off your wide receiver room as well. And, and Michael Bandy can be... D- down the depth chart <laughs> <laughs> and not uh, playing that on on the outside so um that should be fun so keenan allen of course full practice today first time he's been in full practice um on a wednesday for <laughs> i think since week one um so that is uh, obviously exciting and then really the other thing that's gonna be really interesting to see is what kind of happens with the running back room josh kelly has been des- designated to return off of injured reserve sounds like he has a good chance of uh playing on sunday um, you know, it didn't really sound like his injury was all that serious anyway, and that they really kind of put him on IR just to have some roster flexibility. But, um, you know, Isaiah Spiller looked good again on, on Sunday, had some really good moments, had a couple good pass pro reps on uh, Nick Bolton, you know, had some good runs, had a couple good catches. So I'm very curious to see what they do with this running back room now that everybody's healthy. Isaiah Spiller is kind of acclimated to the NFL a little bit more. Uh, what do you make of the rotation and how they'll do that, you know, Alex, on uh, on Sunday? Optimally, I mean, you would hope Sony Michelle is inactive. Like, I don't know <laughs> if Josh Kelly's back and you have, you know, your three running backs being Eckler, Spiller and Kelly in that rotation. I would hope that they just roll with those three uh, and kind of go with it there. I, I don't know if that's what they'll do ultimately, but it feels like Michelle's kind of fallen out of the rotation. I don't know what they're going to do you know, in terms of if they're going to have four or three running backs on Sunday. Um, but optimally, I think the best chance to win is Eckler, uh, Kelly, and then Spiller. Or if you're just trying to work Kelly back into things, then maybe Eckler, Spiller, then Kelly. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on, on Kelly's health. If we're assuming he's coming back to full health, I do think he should reclaim the RB2 spot. I know people will want, you know, Spiller out there. And he, he did have very good moments against the Chiefs. So it's not really a demotion by any means. It's just... I think Joshua Kelly, especially if you're struggling to, you know, get a first down, if you're struggling in the red zone, you want to lean back into Joshua Kelly and then continue to use Isaiah Spiller as your change of pace, as your receiving back when you finally got a target and you made a guy miss in the open field. So I think that'll be a nice one, two, three, but I think you have to go back to Kelly or to Eckler and Kelly as the one, two. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the the rushing attack is just, a, it just has a little bit more physicality, a little bit more versatility with Kelly in there. Um, and I'm obviously excited to see him. Uh, get back to it so other uh, updates obviously Gerald Everett did return to practice today and that obviously is a, a key thing to to monitor going forward 
Although Stone Smart did have a couple good moments, man. Um, you know, kind of a surprise there, but obviously this team really needs Gerald Everett to be uh, back in the fold. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what they do with him because it was more than just, oh, he's the you know third tight end we're going to have. He was involved. They added him at some point, especially when Mike Williams went out. A lot of the tight ends were playing kind of like an X receiver role. Not that they caught many passes, but they wanted some size out there. And I, I, I understand that if you're in certain packages, you want that out there over someone like Michael Bandy, and especially if you're running some you know quick screens, um, those guys definitely help you. So I don't know what, it was a huge surprise. Like he was activated off the NFI list and suddenly boom, he's on the field and he's the only, I think the only of the three tight ends to catch a pass game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's the only one that I can remember. He had two targets, um, so, yep. Yeah, so they seem very, very high on him. I think he had what, three touchdowns and like eight catches in spring camp, which again is, sp- is spring camp. But, you know, they seem really excited about him and I'll take it because you know, McKitty is not much of a receiving threat. Rogers had a target, I think, um, the previous week on a check down. But if they can get someone who can legitimately go out there and give them hell, 20 yards, give me 20, 25 yards on a couple of catches, I'm fine with that. Um, they're really missing Donald Parham out there. So I, I'm really curious what they ended up doing with these tight ends. Yeah, um, they need Gerald Everett back bad. <laughs> um, and this, you know, these last few games uh, have been an indication of that. Um, and, you know, this Kansas City game, like Trey McKitty, uh, I talked about a little bit with Arjun on the post game pod, but just a really rough, you know, kind of game cover off couple weeks for him overall at this point. Um, just doesn't feel like he has his confidence as a blocker or a pass catcher, really. Yeah. Um, so they need Gerald Everett back, or I, I think, as, as Tyler said on Twitter, you know, they're kind of playing 10 on 11 football. Um, and that's really a problem if, you know, uh, well, you know, not that the Cardinals have like a premier tight end or something with Zach Ertz hurt, but, you know, last week you were trying to match wits with Travis Kelsey and, you you know, <laughs> Trey McKinney is your tight end. Bit of a mismatch. Which, uh, bit of a mismatch. Uh, so, you know, as far as what goes on behind him, would like to see Stone Smart get action because, I mean, obviously it looked good uh, from what we saw in the limited amount that we did see it last week. Um, and then hope that, you know, in the next, what's the injury counter on Parham now? Like two weeks, one week until he's uh, able to come back? I'm not totally I think sure. Last week he was still, last week he was still mm-hmm. ways away, if I'm not mistaken. That might have been two weeks ago. Okay. I don't remember exactly what week they put him on the IR. So if someone wants to Same put that Kelly, in. I believe. Right? Um, or did he come back? He tried to come weeks. back and then I'm not yeah, sure. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, uh Serrano pointed out he went on IR on November fifth. So hmm. um I think he could come back for the final four games, but I just don't I don't know if he will at this point. Um but obviously Gerald Everett coming back is, is gonna be huge for this team. Um all right, let's uh let's get to some of this uh preview for the obviously the Arizona Cardinals. It's gonna be a little bit different, you know, we're in week twelve. Uh, we're not going to do a super deep dive like we usually do. <laughs> nice, Tyler. Tyler with the uh, the video game controller. Very fitting. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to kind of take this as a state of the franchise. Cardinals, obviously, in, in a bit of a flux uh, with from a coaching standpoint. Um, you know, if we want to talk about the Sean Payton thing, we could probably do that today. Uh, as Jeremy Fowler reports that Sean Payton interested in both the Cardinals and the Chargers. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how kind of that pans out. But. Um, Arizona Cardinals, man, are uh, in a bit of a flux over the last few weeks, obviously losing to the 49ers, firing their run game coordinator and offensive line coach for uh, groping a woman in Mexico. So it's been a bit of a wild ride for the Cardinals this year. Yeah, I, I don't know what my expectations were for them 
I don't remember if I even had them making the playoffs when we did our seeding, but just looking at their team, it's kind of almost like the Chargers in the sense that I don't really know what they do really, really well. Now they are, it seems like they're getting um, Hollywood Brown back in some capacity. They've finally got Hopkins back. Um, you know, Murray's finally coming back. So maybe they're going to sort of make a push again, like the Chargers, but they're just a, a team that just seems kind of dead on arrival right now. And it's partially coaching, partially injuries, you know, all that. And I don't really know what to make of them, honestly, because looking at everything across the board, there isn't just like one standout thing that they do. Yeah, I, I think that they're in a position similar to where the Chargers are, actually, um, where they sort of have they have the quarterback, not saying Kyler Murray is as good as Justin Herbert or even top 10, depending on how you want to legislate that out. But they're asking Kyler Murray to do a lot, and and he can, right? We've seen games this year where Kyler Murray practically single-handedly led them back from 23-7 down against the Raiders. Um, you know, So he's had a bunch of standout moments this season prior to him getting hurt. Um, you wonder what he's going to look like in this game with that hamstring injury, if he can kind of have the full extent of his athleticism or if he'll be a little bit more cautious about running the ball. Um, as far as state of the franchise, uh, they just gave Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury five-year extensions, uh, and I, we're already regretting that in year one. So that is the state of the franchise. Uh, as far as the Sean Payton stuff, uh, if you want to pay Sean Payton a five-year Sean Payton deal and you want to pay Cliff Kingsbury a five-year buyout, uh, be my guest, I guess. Uh, if the owner has deep pockets, I guess I'll do that. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out because it feels like they are kind of falling out of it in the NFC. They play not in a super tough division too, but one that's leaning towards the Niners and the Seahawks, certainly. Um, I, I don't, maybe they can get a win against the Rams or something. I don't, I don't know. They've actually played them both times, I think now. So, um, yeah, it feels like at this point, like Tyler said, they don't really have a thing that stands out as a run defense. They are a little bit better than the chargers as a pass defense. They're worse than the chargers. Um, and you know, uh, aside from Kyler Murray and Andre Hopkins, you know, they haven't had a whole lot on offense. Offensive line problems, run game problems, the conflict with Eno Benjamin, which happened, uh, you know, even prior to what we're talking about now with the run game coordinator incident. So a uh, lot of things going on in Arizona that aren't necessarily positive. But as long as you have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, you have chances to win games in this league. Um, but just a, a, a weird team and weird year in general. And uh, as stated over here, uh, one of the biggest injuries, considering how he was playing prior to getting hurt, uh, was Zach Ertz. Yeah, absolutely. I think this uh, this was probably a team that expected to, uh, you know, make the playoffs this year, maybe, you know, make a run in the playoffs and then gave everybody extensions, obviously Kyler Murray, including that group as well. Um, so I, I don't know if we want to talk about like who's been more disappointing between these two teams. I don't know if we want to go that route, but um, I mean, the Cardinals just have been, you know, a PR mess from from the jump. You know, there was a whole clause in, in Kyler's contract and now there's an offensive line coach, you know, being fired because he allegedly groped a woman in Mexico City. So it's just been, you know, a PR nightmare, I feel like, from the jump for the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, that said, there are there are some things that I think make me a little bit concerned for this week for the Chargers. You know, this offense with Kyler Murray, with Holly Brown, I don't know if he's going to be coming back. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins, they're, they're always a big play waiting to happen. And if the Chargers are not on top of that, 
you know, this could get away from them. And same thing with the, with the defense, which I'll talk about in a little bit here. Um, excuse me, but uh, you know, this, uh, this Cardinals team, man, it's, <laughs> it's in a really weird spot, you know, similar to the chargers, I think. Yeah, definitely worried about some of the boomer bust, especially with Bryce Callahan, maybe limited um, with a groin injury this game. Um, again, one of their, their better coverage corners watching the tape against, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a bit, watching the tape against the chiefs. Wasn't pretty on third down. Wasn't pretty on most downs, but on third down in particular, it was really, really rough. And listen, you have Hopkins, you have Murray, you have a guy who can scramble, you can guy who can catch anything. Um, Hollywood Brown again might come back. Uh, a little bit concerning. I'm worried about the the boom potential of the Cardinals, but overall, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, um, I mean, Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins are to me are like our the real scary things here because I don't think they have much going in the run game even against the Chargers they average 1.8 yards per carry against the 49ers uh granted couldn't run the ball a whole lot but uh, you know uh that run game just hasn't been terribly efficient so I'll be curious to see I guess how they cover Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins uh I, I presume that that's I don't know like ASJ on Hollywood yeah. Brown and then maybe Davis on uh, DeAndre Hopkins, depending on how they want to play that. That also depends on the health of uh, Bryce Callahan, of course. Um, but yeah, not the best matchups for the Chargers in those instances, I think. But, you know, this game also really comes down to it. This is where I think generating more pass rush pressure is going to be really important because if you can generate a lot of pass pressure, pass rush pressure on a Kyler that's sort of already hobbled at this point, I think that, you know, gives you a chance to sort of win this game and take away chances from Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins uh, to beat the secondary. Uh, but yeah, so this is going to be a game where I think that's even more important maybe than it was in the Chiefs game because you can sort of you know pressure Patrick Mahomes, but he'll find some play or something that's downfield that you didn't cover, uh, which is all over the All-22. But at the same time, uh, I, I do think that this Cardinals team, considering Kyler's injury, considering the state of their offense, is a little bit more limited than what the Chiefs can do in exposing the Chargers defense for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, Tyler and I were messaging back and forth. This What the Chargers put out on tape this past week was really frustrating to watch from a defensive and a coverage standpoint. I mean, there were so many miscommunications and there were just guys not, you know, uh, flowing to the football and taking bad angles. And, you know, I felt like I was watching, you know, week one last year from this defense and just all of the communication errors and things like that. Mm -hmm. And this, they need a quality safety alongside Derwin James in the worst way possible, man. Like I, mm -hmm. I've been a big proponent of Nasir Adderley. I thought that last year uh, he was really solid for this team. He's regressed in a, in a really, really big way. And, you know, he's a complete liability at this point. Yeah. Um, in coverage and he's not making the right decisions he's not running to the football he's not playing aggressive so um you know i'm hoping that this is kind of where we start to see jt woods get a little bit more reps and he got i think he played 14 snaps uh this past week so they're they're trying to you know get him involved but um they they just do not have a quality second safety right now and it's a big big problem when they're trying to play man coverage against the chiefs and travis kelsey and you know you're expecting uh <clears throat> you're expecting help on the inside or the outside and, and your guys just is not there. So um, it's, it's been really frustrating to watch the, the coverage uh, standpoint. I know that they're like good in DVOA from a, a pass coverage standpoint, but 
I just think they're they're giving up way too many easy plays. I mean, that third and 15 or 16 or whatever to, to Patrick Mahomes, and you couldn't ask for an easier throw against for one of the league's best quarterbacks. So it, it just was really yeah. frustrating to watch that tape back earlier today and, and see all of the miscommunications, broken coverages against somebody like Mahomes. You're just giving him, you know, four or five layups a drive, essentially, which was which was inc- incredibly frustrating. And that's really what it is. It was the layups. I mean, if you watch what the Chiefs called, I'm not saying that Andy Reid called a simple game by any means, but go, you know, chart and watch what they did. Wasn't anything all that fancy, guys. I mean, they literally just find the way to hand the ball off to Travis Kelsey because someone's in single man coverage. Watch him go for 30 yards. Watch him do it again. Watch this other guy do it again. It was very frustrating. And I got the, you know, the stats from Arjun of the 33 passing down snaps, snaps that Travis Kelsey had, he was doubled seven times. Uh, that's it. And to me, when you've got, you know, Tony's already you know, goes down in the game. Uh, Juju is out. Hardman's out. You really have one priority. I and mean, heck, even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was out, and which I get, was probably a benefit for the Chiefs. But you have one guy to focus on, and he's doubled seven times. And I think, honestly, by the you know second touchdown and hundredth yard, at some point you do a bit more. And I get you know Derwin James on him, he should be able to you know hold his own. But all pro versus all pro, sometimes the other all pro wins too. And it's just frustrating to watch them just give man-to-man coverage, single coverage against Travis Kelsey. Oh, look, he ended up with 150 yards and three touchdowns. How did that possibly happen? Yeah, I mean, the, the Kelsey thing was also particularly weird just because it felt like in the early game last year in Kansas City, it felt like they did send a lot of help to Travis Kelsey and, and kept him pretty limited in that game. And then obviously the second game, Derwin goes down and, well, you know, they threw more help towards Travis Kelsey. Didn't didn't work because Derwin James wasn't on the field. Um, so, you know, in that second game, but yeah, I did feel like considering the situation, particularly that the chiefs receivers were hurt and, you know, this is not a Tyreek Hill, you know, chiefs offense in particular to the point where, you know, not doubling him would kind of kill you. Um, so yeah, I, I did think that it was a little bit weird that they didn't try to do that more often. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's dive into this matchup a little bit more specifically. Um, as we do every single week, we have our victory formation, things that the Chargers need to do uh, in order to secure a victory formation. So I'm going to start this one off here. Um, you know, I tweeted this out. Vance Joseph, one of the most aggressive defensive mm-hmm. coordinators in the league. 
Um, you know, the Chargers offensive line and their protection plan has to be completely on point. You know, there were several communication errors. There were obviously some times where Chris Jones just went crazy, like Chris Jones tends to do. But, um, you know, this uh, protection plan wasn't, you know, on par with what it needs to be against the Chiefs. And, you know, you're talking about <clears throat> a defensive unit in Arizona that is – let me make sure I get the actual – Numbers here. Where'd they go? Shit. <laughs> um, okay, I, I can't find the numbers right now in front of me. But Is it for blitz um, rate, you know, yeah, the blitz rate according to Pro Football Reference, I think they're fifth highest in the league Third. in blitz rate. They're like eighth in in pressure rate. Um, you know, this is a, a unit that absolutely has been able to get after the quarterback, and the Chargers have have not been up to par the last couple weeks. Uh, obviously, against the Niners, is a little bit different with Foster Serrell. Um, but the, right. the Chargers need a really good, you know, protection performance this week against the Arizona Cardinals because they don't necessarily have like elite players. You know, they don't have a Chris Jones. They don't have a Nick Bosa, but they just send pressure like every other play pretty much in terms of passing down. So, um, you know, the Chargers are going to have to be ready for that. And if not, it could be a, a bit of a long day for uh, the Chargers offense this week. Yeah, Herbert's pressure to sack rate this year. He's so good at avoiding the sacks, even when pressured. It's 10.8 on the year. The last two weeks, 14.3 against the 49ers, which isn't great, and 29.4 against the Chiefs. They are not protecting him. And as much as I want to say that it's play calling, and that certainly is part of it, they're literally just not protecting Justin Herbert very well in the second half. Um, I don't think that's even all that much his fault, other than him stepping up and getting that funky sack at the end of the game. But, I mean, we're talking about free shots against Justin Herbert. Um, he did have that one great hot read with Keenan Allen. But otherwise, I think the offensive line is just its just too quick, too much. And it's other than Corey Lindsley, it's kind of everyone's issue and everyone's fault. It's not like, you know, Zion has a three sacks, given up kind of game. Everyone's just giving up some sort of hit, some sort of pressure, some sort of sack. And it's really, really difficult for them to operate on offense. In the last two weeks, you've seen, you know, they don't do much in the second half. Part of that is play calling. Part of that's not getting ahead. You know, part of that's not doing better on first and second down. But at the end of the day, if there's a free guy blitzing and no one's picking them up, that's a huge, huge problem. And we didn't really see that with the Chargers all that much last year until they started cycling through some other guys. This year, when they basically have their starting group, they really should be better at picking these things up. But against the Chiefs, it was awful. All right. Uh, Alex, you want to get to your victory formation point here? Yeah. Uh, I, I talked about pass rush pressure a little bit earlier. Um, unlike last year, Kyler Murray was, if you think back to 2021, was one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the league under pressure, uh, particularly in that first half of the season uh, where it looked like he was one of the you know MVP candidates of the league. Uh, and this year, that just has not been the case. Uh, I think part of that's been the offensive line. Part of that's been the weapons that he's been throwing to. Part of that's also been, you know, obviously getting hurt. But uh, Kyler Murray, a passer rating from a clean pocket is a 98.8. Passer rating under pressure currently is a 38.9. It's pretty bad. (laughs) It's not good when he's under pressure. Um, There's not much more to say there. So, I mean, for a Chargers pass rush that, did come a little bit alive, I think, this week compared to previous weeks when it came to the, uh, the Chiefs game. You did see um, you know, some more pass around early in that first half before they were gassed. But I just think playing more complete game uh, would be really helpful for them. 
uh, just in all four quarters. And it also may prevent them from getting gassed uh, against Kyler Murray because that is something that happens to teams too, uh, particularly that Raiders game earlier this year. It just felt like the Raiders weren't really getting a lot of pressure on Kyler Murray in the second half. And then they're just exhausted by him <laughs> having like that 20-second uh, long play on the two-point conversion uh, in that game where he just dances around for an extremely long time. Um, and, you know, the Chargers defense was really gassed this week against Patrick Mahomes, which sort of towards the end of that game uh, on that final Chiefs drive allows him to pick up an easy six yard gain then a 16 yard run. Um, so that kind of goes back to the QB spy thing a little bit as well. But I do think that when it comes to Kyler Murray, just getting pass rush pressure, you know, sending blitzes when you can uh, and you're probably not going to get as burnt as you do maybe with Patrick Mahomes on a blitz. Uh, I think that's going to be really important to winning this game. And the more pass rush pressure you can get, the better. Uh, obviously, there's a Cardinals team that's struggling to run the ball anyway. So I think they're probably going to, you know, reserve to going through the air at this point. I don't think they're going to try to really establish that much of a ground game, especially if they do get down early to the Chargers. Uh, so at this point, yeah, I think this is a pass rush pressure Kyler game. Uh, get as much as you can, and you're hoping for a bounce back game. For Khalil Mack, who I think has been quiet for a few weeks, you're hoping for, you know, maybe just the whole defensive line to really come alive in this one. Uh, maybe you bring up Drew Tranquil for a couple of blitzes, maybe Durbin James once in a while. Um, so, yeah, overall, just hoping for a better pass rush pressure game because if you really start to rack up 20, 25 pressures in this game against Kyler, I think it's going to make it really hard considering the state of the Cardinals offensive line right now and the state of their offense in general. Yeah, you know, uh, Kyler has 11 turnover-worthy plays uh, as of now, uh, which is not great, um, according to Pro Football Focus. So um, really quickly, the, the the pressure numbers for the Cardinals that I was trying to reference earlier, they're third in blitz rate and seventh in pressure percentage. So I uh, just mm-hmm. wanted to clear that up. But I think Alex is spot on here. This is something I wanted to, to talk about in my key matchups because, um, you know, the pass rush has been a little – hit or miss for the chargers you know they they did some good things on sunday night but it was basically non-existent against the 49ers so um this needs to be a, a game where brandon slaley gets to third down and manageable is able to you know use the designer blitzes get derwin james drew tranquil and uh send him after kyler murray because i think that's really one of the biggest advantages of this game is that kyler is really tend to uh he's prone to turnovers and justin herbert is not you know regardless of what people like uh, Emmanuel Acho might say. Mm-hmm. So um, this is a, a matchup where the Chargers could theoretically, you know, get a, a pretty significant turnover win. Um, and I think that would obviously make things significantly easier for the offense if they get some short fields and things like that. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, if this team's not going to be the greatest, you know, hold everyone to 50 yards a game kind of defense, at least get turnovers, at least be kind of boomer bust, get some turnovers, give Justin Herbert more chances. Um, don't do neither of those things. For me, when it comes to the defense, um, tackle somebody. I know it's just very, very simple. Like, oh, you should tackle in football. Yeah, I get that. But the Chargers' opponents the last two weeks, granted it's the 49ers and the Chiefs, but the opponents the last two weeks are averaging almost 200 yards after the catch or after contact against the Chargers' defense, and they've missed 24 tackles in total. A lot of that seems to be Nasir Adderley, particularly against the Chiefs. If you told me that he allowed 100 yards after the catch or after contact, I would believe you because it was very, very rough. Gilman, kind of the same thing. Um, They have to be better there. If that's JT Woods helping out, fine. If that's a little bit more true reader, which it probably won't be, but well, we'll see. Was Murray full this week? 
I guess I should ask. Yeah, he was full practice today. Okay, so I'll probably see all Kenneth Murray again. Someone's got to be better. A lot of people have to be better, but in particular, Nasir Adderley, because you can't just give up 200 yards after contact, after the catch. Like, that is ridiculous. You have to be better than that. Uh, just more consistency, too, in that regard, right? Because Kenneth yeah. Murray, I think, had a really rough first half against the Niners, then has that great second half where he's sort of flying in, making tackles, and then a rough game against the Chiefs again. So, you know, I think that just more consistency, tackling, and that goes for Nasir Adderley and everybody else on the defense as well. Um, I would say tackling is really simple, but that's eluded the Chargers for about half a decade now um, in terms of learning how to tackle. So uh, hopefully it's better on Sunday. Sorry, I was looking at something up on uh, Pro Football Focus. So um, yeah, I, I think that's that's spot on. So uh, Alex, we'll go back to you for your uh, key matchup of Sunday afternoon. Uh, I'm yeah, whoever's covering DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> whatever the Chargers want to decide, it's it's sort of a pick your poison situation there because honestly, I don't think Michael Davis is a great matchup for DeAndre Hopkins. I don't really think Asante Samuel Jr. because of his size is a great one either. Um, and obviously, depending on Bryce Callahan, this game, you know, maybe you could have him on a couple snaps if DeAndre were to line up in the slot or something, but uh, DeAndre Hopkins missed six games this season. He is the Cardinals' leading receiver at 487 yards. So he's also still on pace for a 1,000-yard season. Uh, if he averages 85 yards a game for the rest That's of the crazy. year, he will have a 1,000-yard season missing six games, uh, which is just like for people that were calling him washed or, you know, all this stuff, like he's still the same receiver. Um, and Charvarius Ward released a comment where he called him steroid guy. I'm like, steroids are not steroids. DeAndre Hopkins is a top five <laughs> and 10 receiver in this league. Like, you just can't keep sleeping on him, um, you know, for his age, despite the injuries and everything. Like, he still, you know, puts his helmet on and is one of the best receivers in this league in terms of separation and everything. So um, I, I am just particularly worried about him because uh, of the Chargers struggles with, you know, fast, shifty speed receivers in the past. Uh, particularly elusive route runners have, have not been great matchups for them. And this is a game where you sort of wish that they had the JC Jackson that they thought they signed, obviously has been injured for a while now and they didn't really get that guy um, to begin with, with the season anyway, but it, this game gets a lot more complicated. If you have Deandre Hopkins, I'd say over a hundred, 120 plus yards. Um, because if that really is the day for the Chargers, um, you know, he's, he's had 90 yards plus in the last couple of games, then I think that is going to open up opportunities for someone like Hollywood Brown, who is now back. Right. And it's going to open up opportunities for this whole offense, maybe to establish even some semblance of a ground game for the Cardinals. Uh, so overall, yeah, um, I, I think they have to have a really solid game on DeAndre Hopkins. Otherwise, um, this game sort of could get ugly quickly. Not in the same sense of like Travis Kelsey, who didn't really start like burning them until like later in the second half. Um, but yeah, I, this is a game that I think gets away from them if DeAndre Hopkins is really able to either shorten the Cardinals' drives by, you know, easy offense or is just able to kind of let the whole offense flow through him. Uh, so this is a big Michael Davis game who has actually, you know, come up big in some moments this season, like the second half of the Denver game, if you want to go back to that. Um, but yeah, definitely think that this is just a overall big matchup for the Chargers to deal with. 
Yeah, and like Tyler is pointing out, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has been somebody who really kind of thrives on physicality, thrives on, um, you know, yards after contact, not necessarily after the catch, but he just wants to, you know, bully you. And this is a matchup with Michael Davis, I assume, you know, from a size profile standpoint, that's probably where they should go. Um, you know, it's just, it makes me a little bit nervous. So um, I know the the 49ers last week against the uh, Cardinals really kind of just stuck Charvarius Ward right on there and, you know, it went mixed results, right? Charvarius Ward, not necessarily an elite corner by any means, but I think he, he is better than Michael Davis. So uh, mixed results there for sure. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, what is Hopkins up to? And you see the almost 500 yards. You realize how many games he's missed and even got close to 100 yards both games with Colt McCoy. It's like, oh, geez, this guy <laughs> is actually pretty good apparently. Yeah. Um, so frustrating for sure. But Michael Davis, you know, only 11 yards allowed against the Chiefs. Granted, wasn't covering DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, hopefully something positive. I mean, I mean, it would be insanely huge for his value either to stay on the team or to be traded from the team or to be cut and get a deal elsewhere or something if he can put on tape where he held his own against DeAndre Hopkins. So we'll see. Uh, my key matchup, sort of in the similar vein, is JT Woods, um, particularly as that center fielder. Uh, again, I think it was a, yeah, 14 reps uh, this past week, five, five, only five the previous week and you know across two games he's only had 12 coverage reps so it's not like we've seen a lot you know i'm not ready to crown him better than missy Adderley or lohi gilman by any means but i do i mean he to... might be man <laughs> it couldn't be worse than Nasir Adderley was against the chiefs like if he missed every tackle he would basically would have just done the same thing Adderley did so hey you know I mean, listen you know jt woods held his own in this in the post <clears throat> was the post help that i think either davis or asante samuel jr needed mahomes was looking that way Held onto the ball for a bit and got smacked by Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, so that hey, you know, if that's what you can put on tape and that's all you're asked to do, and you can do that well and limit someone like Hollywood Brown or DeAndre Hopkins, you know, keep things capped, that'd be great. But I, I really want to watch him as that center fielder, which they've have they've had him do. If they have him blitz, great. They tried that with Bryce Callahan. If Callahan is hurt, they could certainly lean with someone like JT Woods. Um, they did blitz him once at the scrimmage, which was a long time ago, but he's certainly fast <laughs> enough to get it done and to blitz from you know, all different parts of the field. So I'm very curious to see how he develops and just how he holds up. No one's tested him yet throwing the ball down the field. And I'm really just curious, what does it look like? You know, can he get that interception, um, break up a pass, whatever? Can he tackle anybody in the run game? Because our last impressions of him in the preseason weren't great. And even in, in training camp, they weren't that great either. But, you know, they're I think they're starting to ramp him up a bit more. They know that there's kind of an issue right now with Gilman and Adderley. So I'm all for it. I'm going to be watching him absolutely and see if he balls out. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be huge. If if Hollywood Brown is going to be back, you know, he's going to have to be shaded to that side, playing coverage deep. And, you know, it would be awesome if he could uh, get an interception this week. So, you know, I'm going to go on the opposite side here. Um, you know, the Cardinals, for whatever it's worth, you know, their two corners, Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy, are two of the best corners in terms of forced incompletions in the league um marco wilson has a forced incompletion percentage of 16 percent which is third highest in the league and byron murphy is not too far behind him so um the these two corners are very opportunistic they they like to be aggressive they like to get their hands on passes as much as they can um and you know this is a, a an opportunity for josh palmer i think to go up against the the best corners that he has so far at least in terms of two of them uh like i said I, you know charberry's ward probably in that conversation as well but um you know this is a great game for keenan allen to be back to there was just a, a calming feeling of having keenan back and 
you know, I think Justin Herbert could really rely on Keenan Allen over the middle. And of course the, the deep pass as well. So, um, you know, these, these Cardinals corners, man, they're, they're really aggressive. They're opportunistic. They're going to take chances. And, um, you know, this, like I said earlier, this is a game where the Chargers have to win the turnover battle and being able to play a clean game against these two corners is going to be paramount for that cause. Yeah. I, I feel so much better. I don't recall how many times the chiefs tried to press Josh Palmer. I think he gave him a lot more free releases and that does work in his favor. I think he struggled against that in the second half against the 49ers. Try to press Keenan Allen, you're getting toast. I mean, the, the first play from scrimmage, I don't think they pressed him by any means, but you just watch Keenan Allen. He's putting DBs and blenders right back, you know, where he started, back where he's always been. So just having those guys out there against these two corners, I'd love to see it. Should be a really, really good battle. And again, Keenan Allen is the most important weapon for Justin Herbert. And I, I can't wait to see them connect. If he gets 100 yards on Sunday, more than that, wouldn't be surprised. All right, let's get to our uh, bold predictions here. And then we are going to do our uh, weekly picks this week uh, today because there are obviously three games on uh, Thanksgiving. So it kind of takes a little bit of the flexibility away if we were going to wait until uh, Saturday. So before we get to our bold predictions, of course, have to shout out uh, Tyler's mom. Always appreciate the uh, super stickers and uh, all that great support. So um, bold prediction for me, I'm going to say that... um, I'm going to say Joshua Kelly gets over 60 yards rushing this week in his return. Obviously, that is, uh, you know, dependent on him actually playing. Um, but if there's a way to kind of exploit this uh, Cardinals defense, I feel like it is on the ground. And so I, I think we see Joshua Kelly come back in a big way this week. I'm going over 60 yards for Joshua Kelly. If he's not active and it's Spiller, do you want to give a prediction for? I'll say Spiller over 50. Okay. 10 yard difference. That would be awesome, right? So, yeah, I like it. Um, I think the Chargers, 200 yard wide receivers, Palmer and Allen. All right, let's go. Very bold. Alex, your turn. Uh, I'm going to go Khalil Mack gets back on track. Uh, I think he'll have a three sack game, uh, very similar mm-hmm. to week one versus Oakland. Going or Oakland, Vegas. Uh, I think that, you know, just going against this Cardinals offensive line in general gives him the chance to get back to it. Um, I think the Chargers made some positive strides in the pass rush standpoint last week. So if you get kind of a unified effort against this week, uh, offensive line that they should take advantage of, then I do think Khalil Mack uh, gets back to where we should have seen Khalil Mack, I guess, for the last month or so, uh, which, you know, has been a little bit disappointing. But uh, I'll say three sacks. Yeah, that would be huge. I mean, this this team needs him, you know, they don't really have outside of Morgan Fox. They don't have anybody that can really win consistently one-on-ones. Um, you know, so Khalil Mack having a big game would be huge. We haven't seen one in a while. Um, you know, he's been kind of up or down. Are we concerned about the the rest days on Wednesday? Or are we just thinking that uh, that's kind of uh, nothing so far? Nothing so far. I mean, if it helps them have a better game or more consistent effort on Sunday, then I'm fine with it. And we've seen the Chargers kind of do veteran rest days before so yeah it, it doesn't bug me and especially when you didn't have chris rumpf and now you do but you don't have joy bosa like it just protecting him at all costs that's totally fine with me yeah absolutely all right let's uh get to these weekly picks um you know this has been a a fun challenge here so as you can see on the screen <clears throat> uh this was last week right mm-hmm. and below we have week 12 for today 
All right. Sounds good. So uh, current standings, I am 26 and 17. Uh, and then Alex and Tyler continues to be in a dead heat at 23 and 20. Um, Alex is up first with his favorite of the week. Um, and then it will be my turn. And then Alex and then Tyler, excuse me, will get to uh, snake around. So, Alex, who's your favorite favorite of the week? Thank you. I will take Patrick Mahomes over Bryce Perkins. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe this game goes wrong. I did pick Aaron Rodgers over Bailey Zappi at one point, and that ended up being a lot closer than I thought it would be. Uh, but yeah, I think the Rams are not in a great place. No Cooper Cup, no Matt Stafford. Uh, pretty slam bug pick, I think. Yeah, uh, the Rams, man, quite a, quite a mess themselves. Um, all right, I'm going to go uh, Thanksgiving afternoon. I'm going to take the Cowboys over the Giants. Um, Giants offensive line in all kinds of uh, shambles these days. Actually playing with like out without Evan Neal, John Feliciano, their starting center. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I expect the Cowboys pass rush to uh, really show up on Sunday afternoon or tomorrow afternoon, excuse me. Yeah, that's going to be nasty. If, if they can pull anything kind of like a close loss or even a win, be a miracle but i mean all these guys are hurt and banged out there's no way um i'm going to go with the bills over the lions which feels sneaky scary but i gotta pick what i think is the better team against what should be the worst team um but we'll see oh, i get to go again huh yeah you do hey man the lions have been a little frisky the last couple weeks i know it does worry me um, but we'll see all right for upset i'm going to go with the team that doesn't die it's the tennessee titans Cincinnati Bengals. They will get Jamar Chase back, but you know, not a lot of great upsets in this group. I'm going to go with the one with the coach that seems to somehow, no matter what, with Tannehill at quarterback, end up winning the division, winning you know 12 games for some reason. So I'll go with the Titans. Goodness, I didn't, I didn't realize the Chiefs were favored by 15 and a half over the Rams. It's going to get, yeah, it's <laughs> not more. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm going to say. Let's see. I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars over the Baltimore Ravens as my upset pick of the week. Uh, Jaguars, I think, are a little bit better than their record would indicate. Ravens haven't been super crisp on offense lately. So Jaguars at home, minus four and a half. I think I'll take the uh, Jaguars. Uh, Speaking of coaches, like Tyler said, that just, you know, find a way to win weird games that they probably shouldn't. I'll take the New England Patriots over the (laughs) Minnesota Vikings. I uh so Brooke and I were driving up the coast uh, in Oregon when uh this game whoa, 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 we're doing a lot of assuming over here. Are you not taking the Eagles over the Packers? Oh. <laughs> uh what I was gonna say is that we listened to the radio call of the uh Patriots win over the the Jets and it was uh it was crazy. Anyways, go ahead, Alex. <sighs> I feel like I'm I'm a coward if I don't take the Eagles, but this is this is what Tyler <laughs> wants me to do. I have to take the Miami Dolphins over the Houston Texans. Come on, yeah, yeah. I I'd love to take the Eagles, and they they will win against the Packers. But uh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I gotta win this tournament. Jeff Saturday got you worried, huh? Got <laughs> <laughs> your Eagles. That pick was for Frank fucking Reich. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, my either or pick. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks coming off their bye over the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, we know uh, how crazy that home field advantage is. So uh, give me the Seahawks coming off the bye. Okay, and a stunning turn of events. The Eagles, I'll, I'll take them, I guess. Bulls <laughs> over the uh, 
Who are they playing again? Yeah, Packers. Yeah, so, apparently Rogers uh, Aaron Rodgers has a broken, broken thumb. thumb, so. Yeah, so. I don't know. I tend to curse my first pick. My third picks, I think, are okay. <laughs> well, uh, you know, hopefully the, the, the pesky Lions can uh, pull off an upset. That'd be really, really cool. Um all right, we'll uh, we'll save the the score prediction for the Chargers uh, for our our show on Saturday. Um, you know, obviously that's kind of the, the end of our show. We have uh, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. If you're celebrating, obviously have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, Alex, when you're in the states, man, your uh, favorite Thanksgiving dish is what? Uh, I like the stuffing and macaroni and cheese. Keep it simple. Uh, those are my two favorite things. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Staley made himself pretty <laughs> indefensible today with green bean casserole. And uh, what was the other thing he said? Breaded like, cauliflower. Breaded. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, man. If you're if you're inching closer to the hot seat, I I don't know. If those are things you should be saying. <laughs> Derwin James kind of saved it, but I don't know. Yeah, there were like uh, 600 quote tweets from uh, that uh, tweet from <laughs> Lindsay Theory. So I, I think Lindsay Theory should just like continue to ask like each th- each player's favorite <laughs> Thanksgiving meal until we just get to the end of the week. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Tyler, fa- favorite Thanksgiving uh, dishes? Depends. If it's my Asian side of the family, it's something like uh, lapjung fried rice, which is like a Chinese pork sausage fried rice. is delicious. Ooh, nice. Or if we're just deep frying a turkey, that's delicious. I like the legs, don't like the breast meat, um, the legs, dark meat, all that good stuff is, is delicious. There you go. I'm a big mac and cheese guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I like green bean casserole as well. So um, like three Thanksgivings ago, I went, we were back in Utah and I uh, made some mac and cheese and my family was like mac and cheese for Thanksgiving. And I was like, hell yeah, like let's fire it up. Let's go. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was a fun one. No pumpkin pie this year at the table? <laughs> no, no. Um, my mother-in-law makes a great apple pie. I, I like the classic stuff, you know, so I'm, I like apple pie. I don't like pumpkin pie, obviously. <laughs> okay, apparently Cameron Dicker was born in China. No shit. That was he so was weird. born in Hong Kong? What the fuck? <laughs> was he? Are you Googling it right now? Yeah, it says he was born in Hong Kong. He's the first NFL player born in China. <laughs> wow. I had no idea. Wow. Like top three whitest dude born in China. <laughs> what the fuck? Was it military? Had to have been. Like his family or something? Uh yeah, I mean I would assume so, but I don't have a don't have a Google on me right now. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, you learn something new every single day, so uh, appreciate it, Sinvin, for uh I never would have guessed that about Cameron Dicker, who uh, obviously on the active roster now. So shout out to uh, Cameron Dicker, man. Hope he uh, continues to ball out. All right. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate everybody tuning in today. Hope everyone has a great holiday if you are choosing to celebrate. Uh, we'll be going live again on Saturday, as we usually do. We'll do a Q&A. We'll have some other things planned since we did our picks today. Um, and uh, I m- might be my last show with uh, my in-laws internet. So Fingers crossed, I might be getting a regular internet at my actual house on uh, Saturday afternoon. So, uh, fingers crossed there. Uh, Tyler, Alex, appreciate it. Everybody in the chat, appreciate it. Make sure to leave us a rating, review, like, and subscribe. Turn those notifications on, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient 
which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.